And if you turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, we'll be continuing in our study. And let's pray as we look to the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for the truth that as we bring our petitions to you with thanksgiving, you will answer according to your will. And you will remind us that in you and through you, we can do all things through you who strengthens us. We thank you, Lord, that though in our own physical bodies we're weak, but in the spiritual realm, you've made us overcomers. You told us that we can always give thanks to you who leads us in victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. And today, we just ask that you would inspire us as we look to your word, as we remember, Lord Jesus, that you touch people and change their lives completely. Would you touch us? Would you use this time to draw us closer to you and to transform us more into the image of your dear Son? We thank you, Lord, for the word that you've given us. Give us understanding and help us not only to be hearers of the word, but doers. We commit this time to you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, in the passage that we're reading today in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, uh, is just after the transfiguration that we talked about last week. And remember, uh, we talked about the fact that Jesus, in his earthly body, he was transfigured in such a way that his face was shining brighter than the sun. And that Jesus wants to then transform us that we would bring inspiration to others. He had talked to them about the coming time of suffering in Jerusalem. And then he took Peter, James, and John up on that high mountain, and he was transfigured before them. Uh, and then the voice from heaven, the heavenly Father, said, This is my beloved Son, hear him. When they come down from the mountain, uh, there's some difficulties, and there's also, in a sense, a spiritual battle that we'll see as we read this passage. But he speaks to one of the people that he encounters, and Jesus says, all things are possible to the one who believes. So I think that's the truth that we need to grab on today, that we need to trust that God can do the things that seem to be impossible for us. They're not impossible for him. And when we talk about faith or believing, uh, it's not just acknowledging truth about God, but it's really placing our trust in God and then clinging to him and understanding his will for our life and following that. This is what true faith is, is that we put our trust upon him, the one who knows better than we know, the one who is inshakable in the time when we're disturbed by our circumstances. And uh, Jesus, remember, he's transfigured. His clothes became white, uh, shining, exceedingly white. There was the voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son, hear him. And that's one of the reasons that we're reading through the Gospels, is to hear the truth, to hear the words of Jesus, and to follow. When he was transfigured, um, we know that the father wanted the focus to be not just upon Moses and Elijah, but upon Jesus himself. He said, this is my beloved son, hear him, meaning that they were to listen and also to obey Jesus. And that's the thing that we need to remember as well. Um, I've heard many people say, I read the scripture, but oftentimes I'm tired and I fall asleep. Well, you're kind of hearing truth, but you're not hearing necessarily to obey and to follow. Uh, we need to receive it in such a way that it inspires us and causes us to obey. And 
stirs us up to faith, to love, and to good works, knowing that he can do all things through us as we believe. So now let's uh, read a few of the verses from the passage that we finished with last week, and then we'll continue on. Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 9. Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things that they had seen. Uh, Remember, the context is the transfiguration. And he says, till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they were to hold on to the truth, but there was a time when he wanted them to reveal it. And if you read Peter's writing and you read John's writing, they both mention this transfiguration and the voice that they heard and how it inspired them. It says, so they kept the word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. Uh, Remember when Moses and Elijah were with Jesus, they were speaking to him uh, with him about his departure, his decease. And so Jesus then says, not only is he going to die, but he's also going to rise from the dead. But they didn't understand. Uh, So they asked the question, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He answered and told them, indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. So uh, this word Elijah both refers to the prophet of the Old Testament and we're going to see in the context that it also refers to John the Baptist coming in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Uh, First, uh, the prophet in the Old Testament. He says, indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. So remember that phrase, restoring all things. And in the writing of Malachi the prophet, he speaks of the coming time uh, when Malachi was writing, Elijah had already uh, been taken up into heaven, and he speaks about a future time. So this is a prophecy at the end of the writing of Malachi from chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So before the time of the judgment over all the world, Elijah the prophet is going to come. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So he's coming for a period of restoration. Uh, The scripture says that there's going to be great spiritual darkness, but there's also going to be a revival where God is going to turn the hearts of the father back to the children and the children to their fathers. Um, So that's a prophecy uh, that the disciples are asking Like if you're talking about uh, revealing yourself as the Messiah uh, and we just saw Elijah and Moses on the mountain with you, um, why is it that we don't see this fulfillment right now? And then Jesus is going to explain to them that John, who is the one baptizing, he came in the spirit of Elijah. And this is prophesied um, in the time of the birth of John the Baptist. The angel says to Zechariah, this is Luke chapter 1, verse 17, you shall call his name John. Uh, So remember, uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they couldn't have kids. Uh, Zechariah kind of questions uh, how it could be since they're both old. uh, And the angel is explaining to him, you will call his name John. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. This is what is connected to the passage that we're reading today. To turn their hearts of the fathers to the children 
and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So truly, uh, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. So he's doing it in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. And then yet still in the future, something that we haven't experienced uh, before the time of the, the greatest uh, difficulty and the great uh, tribulation, Elijah is going to come and he's also going to uh, be prophesying. It's recorded in the book of Revelation chapter 11. Uh, Jesus gives explanation about uh, this discussion and it's a little bit clearer in the Gospel of Matthew uh, chapter 17 verse 12 and 13. Uh, Jesus says, But I say to you, Elijah has already come, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Remember, John the Baptist was put to death and beheaded because of his t testimony against uh, Herod. Likewise, the Son of Man is about to suffer at their hands. So Jesus is connecting the suffering of John with his own suffering. Um, and then it says, then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. So that gives us the understanding that uh, there's a little bit of confusion. Uh, Jesus is talking about rising from the dead. The disciples don't really understand what this means. We just saw Elijah. Isn't this the time that the kingdom's going to be established? He says, well, actually, John came in the power of Elijah, but John suffered and I'm also going to suffer. So Jesus is kind of giving them a little understanding. Now we're going to switch as they come down the mountainside. So you can picture Jesus, Peter, James, and John coming down the mountain. And uh, at the base of the mountain, there's a conflict. And have you ever found that? Uh, when we used to go to the National Conference in Ukraine, uh, it was always such a wonderful time because we felt like a small group of evangelical believers in Ukraine. Then we would gather together in a national conference, maybe six, seven hundred people worshiping, uh, praying. And we would always tell people now, you know, many of you are returning to unbelievers and you might have a battle. You might have a challenge as you return home. And one day uh, when we returned from the conference, we dropped off people in the city that we lived in. And this young um, brother and sister they got dropped off early, and as we were walking into our apartment, our phone was ringing. So I'm like hurrying with the keys, getting into the door, the phone's ringing, and it's Sasha and Ira, and Sasha's crying, and he says, Dad was dead on the couch, you know, and he was alcoholic, and they came home to find his body dead on the couch. And, you know, we do have spiritual experiences, spiritual mountaintops, but there's also battles that we fight. And we need to hold on to the Lord even in those difficult times. So we see that now, this transition coming down from the mountaintop. It says, And when he had came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and scribes disputing with them. So this is the, the conflict, right? The scribes by this time have already turned away from uh, following Jesus because he's speaking truth that... Uh, points out their hypocrisy. So now the scribes are disputing with the disciples, the ones that didn't go up on the mountaintop. Uh, then we see the situation change a little bit. Immediately when they saw him, Jesus, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. So by this time, the multitudes are following Jesus. They're expecting him to do miracles. 
uh, Jesus asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? So he's kind of dealing with the problem at hand, but the situation continues. And it says, then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. So you kind of picture this drama, right? Have you ever seen a person really uh, troubled physically or maybe a car accident where a person is uh, in a great amount of pain? Uh, it says, I brought you my son. He already knows that there is something happening in the spiritual realm. He calls it a mute spirit because the son isn't able to speak. But also it says it seizes him throws him down. The other Gospels say that sometimes it even threw him down in the area where there was fire or water. Uh, we know that Jesus said about Satan and evil spirits that Satan comes to kill, still, and destroy. So we see this spiritual battle for sure, right? The very life of this uh, young son is being threatened by this evil spirit. Uh, the man, the father, says, I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. That's a challenge, isn't it? Uh, oftentimes we experience problems that are greater than our ability to solve, or problems that are more powerful than our own strength. But we have to remember they're not more powerful than God's strength. Um, Jesus says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And I think this was the challenge, right, for the disciples. You can picture, you know, probably the, the young son uh, either disturbed or maybe even uh, in one of his convulsions. Uh, the father is asking the disciples that they cast out the spirit from the, his son and they could not. Um, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 17, it says, when they'd come down to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him. So you see the desperation, right? He's kneeling down and he says, Lord, have mercy on my son. Uh, I like that. And it's the beginning of a lot of prayers in the scripture, isn't it? Lord, have mercy. Uh, we don't deserve uh, your goodness, but please have mercy. For he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And that also reminds us that if the Lord uses us to do something, we're just a vessel, right? Uh, I've been in the area where there have been people that have, you know, focused upon healing. And oftentimes they take glory to themselves. But it's not us that brings the cure. Uh, we don't have that power. It's the Lord if he ever chooses to do so. Back in Mark's gospel, uh, he answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? It's not really the phrase that you expect to hear from Jesus, is it? Uh, but that's the root of the issue, right? That they needed to have faith. He says, how long shall I bear with you? How long uh, shall I be with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, to Jesus, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Right? That's pretty intimidating, isn't it? Can you kind of picture? You know, he's probably moving from side to side. 
he has the foam uh, because he's probably moaning and uh, making noises. And for sure, it's intimidating. Uh, but Jesus, he asks kind of a practical question. He says, how long has this been happening to him? And the father said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him in, both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. So it's a troubling situation for sure. There is such distress in the family. Probably everybody is uh, so anxious. Now Jesus has come into the region. Uh, the father brings his son to the disciples. They're not able to cast out the unclean spirit. And now he's begging even as he kneels. And then as the son is uh, kind of wallowing um, in, in this distress before Jesus. But then he says this, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Right? Uh, many of the prayers in the scripture are very simple, very short. Right? If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Uh, Lord, help us. Jesus replies, and this is the focus of what we're talking about today. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Can you say amen to that? Yeah, if we simply trust that God is all powerful, he can do all things uh, as we align ourselves with his will and we ask according to his character. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears. So you can see like he's very emotional. He's been kneeling. He's pleading. He even says with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Have you ever been there before? Um, Martin and I, when we were first married, we went to a missions trip in Mexico. The place is called Boca del Rio, which means the mouth of the river. And it's a little fishing village. Uh, we got there. Um, the pastor and the missionary that had been serving there went for a break. So we were filling in. And as we're there, this big storm comes in from the Pacific Ocean. And it shuts all of the power off in the whole village. And so Marta and this uh, lady that was kind of like um, living sometimes in the, in the church building, they're like, oh, the power is gone. And it's going to be so hot and humid after the storm. And the lady says, well, we don't have a telephone here. And none of us at that time had mobile phones. And she says, we have to go to the other side of town. And we need to call the electric company to find out what's going to happen. And I said, well, I think we should pray. She goes, well, honey, a lot of people are going to need to have their electricity restored. We just need to go quickly and, and, um, and call. And she says, are you coming with us? I said, no, I'm going to stay here. So I'm telling you the story to give the glory to the Lord. But I went up on the, mountain, on the rooftop and I uh, kneeled down and I said, Lord, you have the answer to this problem. I don't have the answer. But if you show me the solution, I'll give you all the glory. And I haven't ever had it before, but into my mind came this little box and I could see that it was on the outside of the building. So when the missionary and the pastor had left, they gave us instructions about things on the inside of the building. This is how you do this, this is how you do that. But they didn't show us the main circuit breaker for the entire building was on the outside of the building. But it came so clearly into my mind, this little picture, of a couple breakers and a, like a, a lid, a cover on the outside. 
So I stood up, I was kind of excited. I went outside and I find in the midst of the bricks uh, of the building, because it was a brick building, there's a little cover and I open it and sure enough, it's the same thing that I'd just seen in, that had come into my mind. And I flipped it up and I went inside and the fans were working and the mic was on. And so um, I sat down on the couch and I just was giving the Lord thanks and Martha comes in with the, the other lady and she goes, Oh, they said they're really busy. It's gonna be about an hour and a half. And then she looks up and she goes, hey, how did that happen? And I said, I just give all the glory to the Lord. And she goes, no, tell me, how did it happen? And uh, it just reminds me, right? Uh, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Well, some of us, we have a little bit of a pause. Like, Lord, I believe now I'm gonna go and get working. I'm gonna go and do something. But we need to bring even our unbelief to him and believe that he can help us to get through situations that are too great for us to understand or to solve. Back to Mark's gospel, chapter 9 and verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him and he became as one dead so that many said he is dead but Jesus took him by the hand lifted him up and he arose right so he had been probably moving around making noises and all of a sudden he becomes uh, still and quiet and what does Jesus do uh, as he hears people say oh he's dead he takes him by the hand and he lifts him up he's restored and uh, Jesus just says this simple phrase, right? Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Uh, you know, some of you, you've come in these situations where a person has opened them up, opened themselves up to demonic spirits. Uh, Taylor shared a story that here in the church, there was a lady that was really troubled, and then she started to have these weird noises. And uh, Taylor and some of the others, were you there also, Pastor Bob? Uh, so some people uh, prayed uh, down, I believe, in the fireside room, right? And the Lord just delivered her from unclean spirit. And as our society veers further and further away from the Lord, as more people open themselves up to drug use and uh, alcohol abuse, we need to understand that it also opens their lives into the darkness of the demonic realm. And we as believers are the source of light. And if we're lacking power, Jesus is going to tell us what to do in this passage. But we need to remember that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Um, and I want to focus upon the fact because we've talked about this phrase, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. I want to now talk just briefly about what this means. Uh, all things are possible to the one who believes. We need to start with the understanding that God, that Jesus, is the object of our faith. Um, and what do I mean when I say that? It's not that him working through us is what we're wanting to have happen, or my faith is causing something to happen, but it's God himself who I'm focused upon and asking him to work. And we have a, an interesting story uh, from our time in Nigeria. There was a woman uh, named Mrs. Gimba, and uh, 
her husband was a professor in a university in Nigeria. He had to travel periodically. He traveled to another city. And Mrs. Gimba had two daughters. They were about a year apart from one another. Uh, this is not them, but it's very similar. Uh, when Martin and I were in Nigeria, we also slept on those thin mattresses that you see, uh, just sleeping on the floor. So one day, uh, as Mr. Gimba was traveling, Mrs. Gimba says, Lord, please protect us, and if there's any danger, wake us up at night. And they lived right at the outskirts of the city and what we would call kind of jungle, right? The open areas with trees. Uh, in Nigeria, there are uh, what's called the black neck spitting cobra. Uh, so there are cobras in Nigeria. The girls were uh, sleeping on one mattress. Um, about just after midnight, uh, Mrs. Gimbus telling the story, she said it felt like someone nudged her. And she woke up and looked at the clock and saw that it was about midnight, so she decided to go and check on the girls. And in between the two girls, there was a black cobra that was getting the body heat of the two girls. It was right in between them. And she said normally when the girls uh, slept on the same mattress, their arms or their legs would be over one another. But that night, they were laying next to one another, and the cobra was right in between them. Can you imagine if you're like a mom, and you see a cobra laying next to your two girls? Wouldn't that be troubling? So what did she do? She prayed, and the only thing that she saw in the room was one of the older tile style umbrellas, you know, that have the, the long ones that have the metal point at the end. Do you remember that type? So she prayed, she took the umbrella, she aimed uh, with the Lord's strength and boldness, and she impaled the cobra with that umbrella. And it started writhing and uh, <coughs> twisting around in pain. She moved each girl from each side. And then in Nigeria, they have what's called uh, a night vigil, meaning a time that um, they will praise the Lord. So she moved the cobra, uh, and then she started praying, and she actually was praying throughout the night. Um, it's real common in Nigeria, if you're facing a difficulty, or if you're rejoicing in the Lord in something, uh, you just sing and pray um, throughout the night. And uh, the neighbors the next morning, they said, oh, Miss Gimba, what was going on? You were praying and singing throughout the night. We heard you. And she, she carried that, uh, that cobra out. And she said, my God brought me the victory. Right? So her trust wasn't in the umbrella. Her trust wasn't in her physical strength. Her trust wasn't in the wisdom to solve the problem. Her trust was in the Lord. And as she trusted the Lord, even something that we would think wouldn't work, right? Uh, sticking an umbrella uh, into a snake and killing the snake that way, God allowed her to have the victory and she gave him the glory. So that's what I mean when we say all things are possible. The focus is upon God. Uh, Jesus says, all things are possible uh, to him who believes, to the person who believes. And this is what I want to encourage you with today. Uh, remember, the situation was too great for the disciples. The man with the unclean spirit was down on the ground, probably moaning and moving back and forth. But Jesus cast out the spirit. Uh, the next verses say in verse 27, he took him by the hand. 
lifted him up and he arose. And when he had come to the house, meaning Jesus with the disciples, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Uh, a pastor that we uh, were part of his church in Southern California, he was teaching this passage and he said, well, if we have to pray and fast to experience this type of power, what does that mean? How do we know when we are to start to fast? How do we know when we're to start to pray to have strength against these type of spiritual forces of darkness? And his solution, we need to fast more frequently than we have been. We need to trust God that if we prepare ourselves, then he will bring us into the situation where we see that truly all things are possible for him who believes. Do you remember uh, as we enter into uh, next week, December, we start thinking about Christmas, probably on the radios as you've been driving, you already hear all kinds of Christmas music. Uh, next week, Lord willing, we'll start to sing some of the uh, songs associated with Christmas. But do you remember Mary? Uh, she is there and an angel appears to her, says that she's going to give birth to the promised Messiah. And she asks a question, not doubting, but wanting to understand. She said, how can this be since I do not know a man? The uh, angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One, Jesus, who is to be born, will be called the Son of God. And then this phrase, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Don't you like that? Doesn't it kind of stir you up? Uh, with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary says, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. And then it says, let it be to me according to your word. What's she doing? She's agreeing. She's saying, yes, Lord, I do believe that you're going to accomplish what you said will happen. So what's the difference between the disciples and Mary, right? The disciples had been with Jesus. They had seen Jesus cast out unclean spirits, do miracles, but they were probably focused upon the difficulties of the situation. They were probably focused upon the conflict with the scribes. This man who's pleading and they're thinking, how can we do this? Jesus isn't here. But Mary, she hears the word uh, and then she says, I am your maidservant. What does that mean? I am your servant. I want to be your vessel. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, as we talk about all things being possible, and we're just going to spend a few more minutes on this theme, I want to talk what we can put in the category of all things being possible and how we can express our faith in him who promises this truth. First, uh, when we say all things are possible, it has to be according to God's will, meaning his plan, right? Um, I've met people who thought that they could just proclaim that they wanted a new black Mercedes. Uh, doesn't work that way, does it? Did you, you tried it before, it didn't work out for you? But uh, it's we're praying according to his will, according to his plan. How do we know that? By spending time in the word of God by hearing as we pray as well. Then we're praying according to God's character. And we're going to read a passage in John 14 um, immediately. And we'll see that Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, 
It means according to his character, who he is, right? Uh, the another, another aspect of uh, believing for all things is that it's in God's time. Sometimes we ask, but we don't see the answer because we haven't got there in our understanding of time. But God does hear and he does answer. And then lastly, we can pray believing that all things are possible when we're doing it for God's glory. Um, you know, the Lord taught me that lesson after the storm in Mexico, right? That he'll provide the answer, but I have to give him the glory. And that's also a very important thing that we need to remember when we believe that all things are possible. Now, according to God's character, let's look to John 14. This is the last verse that we'll finish with today. Most assuredly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Why? And then he says, greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So Jesus is going to give his life as a sacrifice in Jerusalem. He will resurrect from the dead on the third day. And then he's going to ascend up into heaven. So he's telling his disciples that he's going to continue to work through them because he goes to the Father. Now, how do we understand what work he wants to do in and through us. How did the disciples understand? By praying and by speaking to the Lord. So he says, and whatever you ask in my name, meaning in his character, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Right? And he goes on to say in John chapter 16, if you pray in my name, uh, when you receive it, your joy will be full. Isn't it great when you have an answer to your prayers? Uh, let's remember, as we think about the fact that God wants to do uh, more through us, that he wants us to believe that all things are possible, that he wants to see ourselves as a vessel, that he wants to work in and through us to be a vessel of honor, right? That's what um, Paul says when he wrote to Timothy, that there's unclean vessels that are vessels of dishonor for purposes. And then there are vessels of honor that are set apart for the Lord. And God wants us to present ourselves as a vessel that he can work in and through, remembering that all things are possible. And maybe for some of you today, you need to say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief, right? Because you haven't been separated for the Lord. You haven't been used for his purposes. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And for those that are mature in the Lord, we just need to remember all things are possible and we need to say, yes, Lord, I believe. Uh, let's pray and I just encourage you to surrender in a new way to the Lord and ask him to do things that are even greater than you would expect in your own understanding. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you so much that we see so many times in the scripture that you can deliver a person from a difficult and dark situation, that you can overcome when it's too much for those around, but it is not too much for you. We say thank you, Lord, that all things are possible. And Lord, we also recognize that many times we limit you by our lack of faith. But like the man, the father, he said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. 
I just pray that uh, some people who have been relying upon their logic, relying upon their own uh, strength, relying upon their own solutions, would just surrender in a new way, asking you to work in a greater way in and through them. And I want to thank you, Lord, for so many men and women in this congregation and in our families who have been living by faith, who have experienced that you can do all things in and through them because of the strength of Christ Jesus. We want to present ourselves to you as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, sanctified and prepared for the work that you have. Help us, Lord, as the things of the world become uh, more predominant and more dark, that we would surrender in such a way that we could be a light shining into that darkness, that we could be source of hope, speaking your truth. We thank you so much for your word. Inspire us, Lord, to live by your truth and empower us by your Holy Spirit. We commit ourselves to you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you have the strength, uh, please stand as we finish in song.